0: Good morning. morning. It's good to be with you. I'm Joel, one of the pastors here. Next to last week, book of Exodus. We're going to jump into that today, so go ahead and get your Bible. Who's ready for the Word of God? Let's go. On this side of the room, that side of the room, God may you bless them because you had no response whatsoever. Who's ready for the Word of God? We need to be more excited about the Word of God and Holy Spirit filling our life than anything else that we have. Hear me say it. And that's what we're striving for as believers because as Pastor Dodd said earlier, we know that transformation is a continual process, not a one-time event. So we're continually growing in our earnestness and our passion and our zeal for the Lord and wanting to learn of Him because we're so dumbfounded of what He's done for us and what that means for us as his children. So we get to dive into this today. Um, Before we do so, I want to make sure I know that we um, can have some new people here and just give a quick summary of what's taking place because we've been in the book of Exodus for a while. Um, Here are some things that we actually have um, and they're out there for you at the cafe. If you walk out to the right hand side of the cafe, there's a big ledge. You can grab all of these resources and these are the primary resources we gave you for the book of Exodus because you can have them for years to come. One speaks about the 10 plagues that are there in the book of Exodus, and even each of the gods, in each of the plagues, remember, the one true God is defeating a false god. Why? Because as I spoke about last week, the Israelites were polytheistic. They worshipped numerous gods, many gods, and yet we're to be monotheistic. Monotheism, worship of one god. And so this speaks about the plagues and even the gods that it was defeating. Another is speaking about the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words, Exodus chapter 20. Right, the very first one is have no other gods before me, and the first four are all about your relationship with God. The second six, six, uh, the last six rather, don't matter if you don't get the first four right. And this speaks about those with the commandments. And then the last one is something I want to walk through a little bit today, is an outline of the Book of Exodus and the movement of it because it's. When you look overall, this is what the Word of God does. When you look at the movement of, even the story of Exodus, we find ourselves. We we find a picture of often who we are. Here's the Israelites. We know that they were in Egypt for 400 years. Doesn't mean that they were slaves for 400 years. They didn't begin as slaves, they became slaves to other things. They became slaves to, to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian leaders. They, I think, became slaves to other things as well complacency and apathy. So what you find here, and you can see this biblical progression and the outline on one of these that you can get later on that we passed out a couple months back, a few months back. But what you have, very simply in the book of Exodus, is this. I'm going to run through it very quick. You might want to try to write it down. Why? Because you know if you write something down, four times more likely to remember it. When it comes to remembering the Word of God, we want to remember it. Okay. So here's Exodus chapter 1. You have the oppression of the people. You discover the oppression of the people, um, the Israelites there in Egypt. Um, you also discover very quickly in um, chapters 2 through 4, Moses encounters God and, in a really powerful way. Um, and then as a result, Moses goes back to Egypt after he had left uh, and he had gone into the wilderness because Pharaoh wanted to kill him because he killed an Egyptian. And he goes back and you discovered the plagues. Those plagues that I mentioned before, ten of them. And then finally, Israel, they leave Egypt. They're like, okay, we're leaving. They leave and they go through the sea that God parted. Um, the Egyptian army follows. The, the, the water collapses in on them. And at that point, they are now in the wilderness in Exodus chapter 13 through 18, it's a lot of them being in the wilderness, but not only the, uh, the, the people of God being in the wilderness, but they begin to rebel. Now this is, listen to this because this is a theme. God says, I'm going to deliver you. They say, okay, fine, we're in. God delivers, but because they don't like the way God delivers or the circumstances now in their life, they rebel against God. Remember, they're polytheistic. They're worshiping gods all the time, and now God's saying, no, it's only me. So they're having to learn a new way of life. If you surrender your heart truly to Jesus, you are not allowed to remain the same. You will have to learn a new way of functioning, a new way of life. And so the people begin to rebel. In Exodus chapter 19 through 24, um, Moses begins to spend time there at Mount Sinai going up to be with God. God gives him that instruction with the Ten Commandments, but also different laws and the covenant laws that he has in terms of what the people need to be doing. That's Exodus 19 through 24. Then Exodus 25 through 31 You have a lot of instruction. God goes up on the mountain. We find it in Exodus chapter 24. He goes up there for 40 days, 40 nights. Part of the instruction he receives in 25 through 31 is about the tabernacle and who they should be and what should it look like for the high priest and all these instructions. Important things for us to learn. And then in Exodus chapter 32 through 34, I preached that last week, there's more rebellion. God, right? Right? Moses spends with God, time on the mountain, four days, 40 40 nights, as I mentioned previously. The people are like, where did Moses go? And they call Moses' brother. What's his name? Aaron. And he's like, hey, Aaron, I don't know where your brother went, but we need need a God, something to help in this process. So Aaron, being stupid, and that is a biblical word. Look in the book of Proverbs. He says all the time, if you're not open to wise counsel, it says literally you're stupid. So I'm simply being biblical, even though I grew up in a family that if you said stupid, a switch was coming to your backside. Anybody else? Okay. Not today. You get sued for it. But anyway, I think it's a good thing. All right. I just said way too much. You probably know a lot about where I stand right there. Discipline your children, parents. Take it as you may. Um, So all of a sudden, Aaron's being stupid, and he's like, yeah, sure, give me all your stuff. And he makes a golden calf. And yet the first of the Ten Commandments is have no other. What are you doing? That's called stupid. And we do, I told you, we fit in this picture. We do the same thing often. We're the people who are like, hey, you know what? I don't see God in my life the way that I want to see God in my life, or I don't think that he's doing what I really want him to be doing, and so I'm going to come up with other things that give me peace. I'm going to come up with other things that provide me with fulfillment. I'm going to give all my time to this hobby over here because I really don't want to give my time over here where God is wanting me to. I'm going to give my resources to this instead of to God because I really just want to be able to accomplish this, and God's not providing it. We have, guys, we are the Israelites in many, many ways. And so Israel Exodus thirty two thirty four here they are rebelling again, but fortunately Moses intercedes for the people. And then we come to Exodus chapter thirty five through forty. I'm going to cover the majority of that today. I'll conclude next week. A lot of Exodus thirty five through forty is the construction of the tabernacle and everything that's in it. But if we go into Exodus chapter thirty five. Open up the word if you would. Exodus 35, verses 1 through 3 is really about sitting, and before they get going, God, through Moses, instructs them don't forget to rest. Anybody here considered a busybody? I am. I, I, like, you just constantly. anybody here always just work, 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 and it's hard to turn your mind off, your brain? Anybody else? That's me. All right. Um, I haven't always done that in the very best way. I remember years and years ago, um, I had some family, uh, some friends come over. And um, all of a sudden, we finished dinner, and they're sitting around. I'm like, well, I thought I was done. I'm like, I didn't see any stuff to be done. I went out and started cutting the grass. Stop judging. It doesn't help anybody. Um, but I just, that's the way I'm right. And my wife came up. She's like, what, what are you doing? It's like, the grass needs to be cut. She's like, we got friends here. I'm like, yeah, they came. They can leave. I got stuff to do. I'm like, but that's that's just kind of how we are. And so the very first thing Exodus chapter 35 is like, no, no. Find rest in me. Find rest in me. Sabbath. There's a crazy dozens and dozens of rules even about the Sabbath, and even one of them is given in verse 3 where it says very clearly, it says, listen, you shall kindle even no fire in all of your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Quit working. Spend time with me. Dwell with me. Let's focus on that word today. Dwell. Dwell with me. Spend time with me. So he gives, gives them this instruction. He assembles all the people. He's like, hey, honor the Sabbath. Sabbath matters. And then... In verse four and following, he says, Moses said, Exodus 35, verse four, Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. If you hear that, ears perk up. This is what the Lord has commanded. Ears perk up. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of a generous heart Let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, bronze. And he keeps going into the different yarns and linen and goat hair and goat skins and the different woods and oil for light. And he says, let's talk about what's needed so that we can build the tabernacle. They're going to construct the tabernacle. And he starts to list everything that is needed and everything that God is wanting them in order to give so that it could be done. And here's what's amazing to me is that what we find is that now all of a sudden, I told you, they left, they left Egypt, they go into the wilderness, and they grumbled and, yeah, complained and griped, and they rebelled against God. Well, then they did it again in 32 through 34, they rebelled against God. All of a sudden, you see a shift in the people. I love this, because this is what can happen for us as a church, and this is also what can happen For us as individuals, there was a shift that happened in them. They were grumbling, they were complaining, they were rebelling against the Lord. And now all of a sudden, in Exodus 35 through 40, what we see is the people actually begin to listen to what Moses is saying and what he has instructed to the people. And they start to do what they are instructed to do. And they're starting to be very generous. And they start to give up their time and their effort in order to construct the tabernacle. What was the difference? Why did all of a sudden, instead of going, no, 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 I can't believe we have to do this, they go, okay. Moses said, I need you to make contributions of your, your skill, your talent, your ability, your resources. And the people go, okay, here. Why the change? And I think it was about the heart posture, Friends. I think their heart posture toward God changed and that they were earnest. Uh, one of the things that um, this last week I met with three different churches. Tomorrow we go meet with about another 15 churches on the other side of the state. And we're just all into these things trying to just grow the kingdom, removing the territorialism and trying to step into all that God has. Because I believe God wants to redeem all of Michigan and much more. Right? Even the UP. God loves the UP too, all four of them. And... He's wanting to restore them. I hope nobody in the UP watches. Um, God is going to do awesome things in all those trees. Um, So all of a sudden he's stepping in and and I go, these people's heart, their heart was different. And as I'm meeting with all these churches, one of the things that I've I've heard a lot this week is, hey, you're a bit intense. Guys, let me go ahead and tell you right now, I don't believe I'm intense. I, I believe that I'm earnest for the Lord. Did you know that in Greek the word earnest means to have an intense passion or zeal for Jesus? That's literally what it means. We think that earnest means, oh, you're mild and you're gentle. Guys, if the world will not, if you are on fire for Jesus, you know what he has delivered you from. The world will never consider you to be mild for Jesus. They will consider you to be passionate for Jesus. It's called being earnest for Jesus, and that's who we are to be as a church. If the people today living in the world in which we live can't tell a difference in you, please come to know Jesus then. Because it is so easy to see the difference between somebody who has peace and hope and comfort versus somebody who does not. The world can do to me what it may, but I know that I have Jesus and I am good to go. We have got to understand this. So why the change? Why all of a sudden do they see all these people going, you know what, I'm in on this. I'm not going to grumble and complain. I'm not going to rebel because some of us are rebelling. We go, we claim to know the Lord, but we keep rebelling and doing what we want to do. And when God wants us to do something that we're not comfortable with, we go, no, I'm kind of out. I don't know why God wants me to do that. That's that's how we are. Hello, American church. And here the people start to shift because they have an earnestness to obey God. And an earnestness to obey God is to be the heart posture of all disciples, no exceptions. Quit saying, "Well, I just have a per- you know, my just who I am. I'm just I'm going to be casual for the Lord." Ain't no such thing. If you know what you have been redeemed from, which is which is sin, and delivered into salvation, you may express it differently. I'm cool with that. But we're to be earnest for the Lord, and all of a sudden, what you're going to see is a group of people here who all of a sudden became earnest for the Lord collectively, and some amazing things happened. But this tells you how amazing it was. Exodus 35, 20 and following. It says, then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Moses said, he, he spoke to him, he says, like, guys, I need all your skill. I need all your resources. I need all your talent. I need everything you have because we've got to get this done for the Lord. And they said, Okay. And they came, everyone who's, verse 21, they came, everyone whose heart stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all of its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, verse 22, so they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. That's what I want to focus on. They brought their brooches. They brought their jewelry. They brought their earrings. And what's amazing about this to me is you Um, If you go back, Exodus chapter 12, one of the things that we learn is they got a lot of what they had because God, it tells us, allowed them to plunder the Egyptians. Anybody remember this? Just say you do. It makes me feel like a decent teacher. Yes, everybody remember that? You're like, oh yeah, please. All right. So we know in Exodus chapter 12, God allowed the Israelites to plunder the Egyptians in order to gain all this. So here they were in slavery, here they were in captivity, and now they have all this stuff. I don't know about you... But I know what it is to have a little bit. And I know what it is to have nothing. All right? In terms of resources. And sometimes when you're accustomed to nothing and all of a sudden you get something, and then for somebody to come right after and say, hey, I want that, that's mm, That's hard. They were slaves living in captivity. Now all of a sudden they have these resources, gold and silver and bronze, all these things that God is now asking them for through Moses. And you would think that some of them would be like, uh, you know, in rebellion. No, you're not going to take our stuff. But they say, okay. All of those, it tells us, who were of a willing heart. Even the craftsmen, as you read through these chapters, what you find is even the people who had skilled hands, they were raising up others because it was too much work for just a couple of people to do. So they're training others, which means they had a heart that was receptive to learning something new, and even saying, hey, I don't know how to do that, but I want to help. All those with a willing heart were coming and surrendering and submitting everything that they had. What was the difference? I just read that they were filled with the presence of God. They had a willing heart. Exodus 35, verse 31, it says, He has filled him with the Spirit of God with skill. So God has filled us with the Spirit of God with our skills, with our gifts, with our intelligence, with our knowledge, with our craftsmanship. And now, instead of claiming that for ourselves, they're surrendering all that to God. Isn't it amazing how God blesses and God gives us skills and gifts and abilities? And we say, Oh, look what I have. Nothing, if you claim to know Jesus, nothing you have is for you, it is to further the kingdom. That's hard. And these aren't even being mandated. He's like, you better do this. He says, hey, I need, guys, I just need you to do this. We got work to do. God asks us to do something. And I need you to come. And I need you to, to be free in your offering. I need you to be free in your giving of your gifts and your talents. And now, fortunately, the hearts are different than they were before. And they start to give. So much so. Here's something that you've, have you ever heard a pastor stand on a stage and say, guys, You are giving so much of your energy and time and your talents. I need you to stop. Like, will you please stop writing so many checks? Anybody ever heard this before? I'm not going to say it right now. Because their, their heart posture was different. And what God was asking for the people to do, they were so willing and open-hearted, their posture was so ready to actually be not rebellious, but to be open to God with their talents and their gifts and their resources. They're like, here, take it. And Moses, it tells us, Exodus 36, 6 through 7. So Moses gave command. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Megaphone, right? Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. What? So the people were restrained from bring, They were restrained. Do you know what the word restrained means? Held back. They were held back from bringing and doing more because the people were so Saturated and dwelled with and by God. So I said, guys, you're you're going, is this a money money sermon? This is not a money sermon. This is about your gifts, your talents. This is is an everything sermon, and making us evaluate, is this who we are? Because I'll tell you, we... Do we need more time and talent and your gifts? We do. we got a lot of work to do, friends. Everything from cleaning woods out, come get free firewood. Everything from that to helping with sports ministry. Everything from right now we're praying about a new site not too far away. We're getting close on it. We need just pray, pray, pray for that. And it's an opportunity where we don't need to build another one of these. I'm like, yes, Please. But God's moving and God's working. And guess what? We get to do it together as his children. Amen? We get to do it together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to move forward. And now all of a sudden Moses is going, man, you guys are doing so much. I need you to hold up. His Spirit is there. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 27 talks about the same thing that the Holy, that the Spirit filled them, and as a result, they did amazing things. It, it caused them to walk in his statutes and his commands. The filling of the Spirit, that's what it does. Have you allowed the filling of the Spirit in your life in such a way where you're like, whatever God says, I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> I'm like, okay. God wants my gifts and my talents to come and do this or do this. I'm in. I think we should be the example of where I'm going to other places. I'm telling them, guys, I have to actually tell my people to stop. Why do we think that should be abnormal? Why should that not be normal for a body of believers who have surrendered their lives to Jesus? Why do we think God, in bringing us salvation through His Son Jesus Christ, should then beg us to actually be obedient to Him? You're going, He doesn't have to beg me, does He? Does He need to beg you to like, please? Don't you know that what I have for you is greater? So all this is unfolding in verse, uh, chapter 35 and chapter 36 is all about this. And they just begin, they bring everything. It's remarkable to see. And then in uh, Exodus chapter 37, 38, and 39, you see a lot of the construction. Exodus chapter 37, it's all about them constructing the ark and the table and the lampstand and the altar of incense. These very things that Moses was given word about in the, at the, uh, up on Mount Sinai at the end of chapters 20, 27, 28, 29, 30. Exodus chapter 20, uh, 38 is all about the construction of the altar for burnt offerings and the bronze basin and the courtyard and continue work on the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 39 is about making the priestly garments that had been given instruction on. And then we start to see the completion of the tabernacle. God fills, this is what God was doing. God filled the artisans and the craftsmen so that they could create, use their abilities and their talents. And he filled the people with resources so that they would be generous. To the point again of where they had to be restrained in what they were bringing. And then in Exodus chapter 39 verse 32, it says, Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. So we go back and we go, here are the people of God. Just leave this up if we could because here are the people of God. God delivers them. They rebel. Anybody here ever rebelled from God in your life? Anybody raise a hand? We all have, if you've ever sinned, sin is separation from God. That's what it creates. That's you rebelling against God, whether it be in a small way or in a huge way. It doesn't matter. Everybody raise your hand if you would. Class participation. We've all rebelled against God somehow. Stop judging the degree of somebody else's rebellion and start start begging them to walk more intimately with the Father. How about that? Can we do that? We're all broken, we're all jacked up, and yet God loves us. And so let's go back to this verse, if we could, because this is what I want us to see. All of a sudden, it says, the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded. The people of Israel, the people of God, if you're a child of God, say amen. amen. The people of God The people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded. Whatever God says goes. They had that posture all of a sudden. And as a result, in about four or five months, that was the time period, the construction of the temple. It was at the end of the first year of them leaving Egypt. The first six, seven months are walking around everywhere. They come to Mount Sinai for 40 days, gives all those instructions to Moses on the mountain, and now he comes down and he says, this is what I want us to do. And for about four or five months now at the end of that first year, they build this tabernacle and they do it quickly. They do it in a remarkable way because they all came together. And if we would spend our time simply coming together, being obedient to the will of God, people would have a different impression of what the church is. We are here to serve and to wash the feet of a broken world because that's what christ did for us and they came and anything god said he commanded they said i'm in so we see at the end of chapter 39 all the pieces of the tabernacle they're brought to moses until the end of chapter 39, it says, very last verse, verse 43. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. Think about all this energy that went into it. Moses saw saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. Everybody say, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so had they done it. They did it. Because they came together knowing and hearing from God, and it says then that Moses blessed them. Chapter 40, he's assembling all of this. He's constructing the tabernacle with everything that's been constructed and already built, assembled together. And they had done it. And the presence of the Lord, and friends, this, this is big. We're gonna talk about the glory of the Lord next week, okay? But this is really crucial for us. The reason God was asking them To leave captivity was so that he could dwell more intimately with them. And now, with the completion of the tabernacle, he is going to be moving from Mount Sinai and there. That's why Moses would go up, it says, would go up to meet with God. And he's going to come and and encamp within them in the tabernacle. To be in that relationship with them. To be able to know who they are more intimately. For them to be closer together. And so the Lord is about to move into a new home. That's why he brought them out of Egypt. But he's letting them know, guys, you can't worship Yahweh and all these other gods that you've had in the past. There's only one God to be worshipped, and that is me. And they finally start to surrender to it, at least in this place. And as a result, they did a marvelous work. Now, here's the beauty. God is now about to move, and upon that completion of the tabernacle, God is moving from Mount Sinai to the tabernacle. But guess what? In Christ, for those who believe in him, you're the new tabernacle. Holy Spirit dwells in you. God wants to be in that type of relationship with you, that personal of a relationship with you. Some of you are going, well, I don't feel that way. Have you seen my marriage? I don't feel that way. I don't have a friend. I don't feel that way. Do you know all that's collapsing around me? I don't feel that way. Did you know that I have a kid who hasn't spoken to me in four years? Well, I don't feel that way. Do you not understand that I've I've been trying for eight years to have a child and I can't? And I don't have the money to adopt? And you're going, I don't feel that way. Hear me say now, even in the midst of brokenness, God desires to dwell in you. That's called hope. And so what we begin to discover, this is a picture for the believer. The story of Exodus is a picture of what God desires to do in you. He desires to dwell in you. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen? So be it. That's what that means. That's why we say it. Amen. So be it. God desires to dwell in me. We discover in Scripture that we become God's new dwelling place. So here's a summary. In early exodus, the people begin to recognize how much they're oppressed. It says that chapter one. It talks about their oppression. If you live according to sin, if you live according to the ways of the world, you are oppressed whether you know it or not. You're gonna to have to just keep chasing other things to try to find fulfillment over and over again. You're actually slave to those things. They recognize their captivity, but God begins to move. And finally, at the end of the book, the people stopped grumbling and complaining enough to simply become obedient to God. If the people of the church today would spend more time being obedient and less time grumbling, we would have a different church. Another way to think about it is they finally took their eyes off of their own problems enough to recognize that God can restore all things and all people. He can redeem anyone from anything at any time. So finally, the people began to simply surrender to God, to, to submit to God. They began to listen to leadership. We hate listening to leadership because we're like, I'm my own person. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are no longer your own person. You belong to him. So if you're all about, look at me, this is my life, I'm going to do what I do. There is no more doing what you do. There is doing what God desires of you so that the kingdom can grow so people can encounter him. Do we get that? Yes or no? They begin to listen. And so, you know what they do as a result of listening and going, I'm going to submit, I'm going to surrender. And they begin to work hard together. They begin to give generously to where it's like, no more guys, no more guys. And they end up accomplishing a mighty work for the Lord. Friends, God wants to do so much with this church. Because it's His, amen? And we get to do it together. But the church can never be what God designed for it to be without individuals. First saying, I submit, I surrender, I no longer want to claim self, I want to surrender self, I don't want to rebel anymore, and let's be honest, some of you have rebelled. Even now, you claim to know God, but you have rebelled. When you claim your life as your own, you are rebelling against the design of God. And as we close, I think the question for me is do we resist God's movement? Because He did a movement, didn't He? He did a work. Do we resist it? Or do we actually embrace it? If, If you embrace the movement of God in your life, that means you come together and what you do is you say, God, everything I have is yours. You can have all of my energy, you can have my calendar. That means you, may say, you, need, you might need to say no to some things so that you can begin saying yes to God. It's not, well, this is my life. Where can I plug God in? It's now God's life. Will you join in God's movement? One way to think about it is the people stopped observing God and started participating with God. So, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you that we can be a people who submit to you and surrender to you. And I thank you, God. For these brothers and sisters and some of them have rebelled against you, but every single one of them, I don't care what they've done in their past, every single one of them, may they recognize that there is always hope in the name of Jesus Christ. May they walk away with that encouragement of knowing that they can now participate in a movement that is far greater than them. And may we be eager to not miss out in Christ's name. Amen.